0: what's going on guys welcome back to or welcome to consuming crime it's your host jules here hello it's been a while i feel like most of my episodes start off like that i'm gonna get better at it i promise other than that let's go into our announcements that i usually start with the first thing is if you would like to become a supporter of the podcast which basically means you can make a small donation as small as 99 cents towards the podcast just to help sustain future episodes you can do that by going to consumingcrime.com and clicking the become a supporter badge and again that's consumingcrime.com go ahead and hit the become a supporter badge go ahead and check out the facebook page if you haven't already as well as instagram i recently made a twitter so it's all consuming crime it's gonna be the same pink logo with the magnifying glass and the gun there's also a tiktok page which i'm trying to be better about posting on but all of it is consuming crime just the way it's spelled no spaces no nothing without further ado let's get into today's episode so last you guys heard from me i went over homicide hunter with joe kenda which is a documentary available on discovery plus and i would I went over the first episode, so this one is going to be episode 2, and it's called Six Feet Under. The reason this one stuck out to me, and we'll get to it in a bit, is the way that they collected evidence, in my opinion, seemed wrong, but I'm also kind of wishy-washy about my opinions on it, so I'm going to ask you guys that when we get there. On April 7th, 1987, in Fairview Cemetery, Colorado Springs, Colorado, A caretaker sees a car at the edge of the property. He had seen it parked there for four days, but didn't think anything of it previously. I probably would have never noticed it was there. Honestly, I'm so in my own little world. Uh, But he noticed it, so he called the police to report it abandoned. The officer looks inside and sees something covered with a blanket, and that is suspicious and weird. He sees a foot sticking out as well. I wonder if they were able to see the foot sticking out when they opened the door after they got a warrant or were you always able to see that there was a body in there because if that's the case people are too nosy for it it to have taken four days to find this there's a bruised body of a young woman there are signs of trauma but there's no evidence that there was a struggle in the car so clearly somebody killed her and then with the car and her in the back seat Put her in um, the cemetery parking lot the coroner is already saying this death is not natural this is definitely foul play she has abrasions on her neck that are consistent with manual strangulation i wonder how hard you have to be strangling somebody for the marks to still be there days later maybe because post-mortem the way that the blood i don't know also some abrasions that are consistent that she fought the killer Oh man, I guess she she had scratched at her own neck trying to like relieve the pressure and they can tell because her What did they say her nails? were Almost filed down to like the quick. That's how hard she was scratching. So obviously She fought the case was ruled a homicide and Joe Kenda is officially taking over all of these all of these cases in this series are gonna be something that joe kenda went over which is kind of cool because last the last series we went over was american detective with joe kenda where he talked about cases that stood out because the detective on the case stood out but they weren't joe kenda's cases so i think it'll be interesting to see how he handles each case consistently this girl is about 18 to 20 years old and her life was just getting started just get barely getting started lieutenant kenda looks at the car and he says that okay the car says a lot so whose car is it is the first question is this the killer's car i doubt it i don't think anybody is that dumb to use their own car and then to dump it they assume that the killer was driving yes and they wonder if he left behind any traces there's no significance to where this car was parked it was just like a random spot officers are now talking to the caretaker the person that found the car He said the car was there for four or five days and that's pretty much all he knew. He didn't really offer anything else, he didn't see anybody suspicious, like nobody else went to look at the car, he just noticed it. They start taking prints and they're all smudged or partial, so that's not gonna take them anywhere. They also see hair on the blanket and it's, they describe it as very coarse hair, so my immediate assumption is this is animal hair. They're assuming it's dog hair, it could be a cat, just any animal with hair so they collect this as well though just in case they also find something on the dashboard it's a piece of paper with the name lisa and a phone number i kind of feel like this was planted no like who would if it was the killer i don't know i fit at this point i feel like the killer is like messing with the cops and trying to leave like tiny little little things because like as an officer you can't just ignore something because you think someone's might be like messing with you you have to investigate everything they run the plates and it belongs to 20 year old vicky lee ross so not lisa i don't know who the hell lisa is i don't even think she comes up again honestly so this was her oh okay vicky was actually the woman in the back of the car so this was her car that she was found dead in so now the question is where was she killed she lived 35 blocks from the area that she was found. She was reported missing the day before. The car had supposedly been there for four to five days, which means she was missing two to three days before anybody reported it. I don't I don't, I don't really like that. Maybe because my family is very paranoid. They would be like on top of it if I didn't call them as soon as I got in my apartment, but ah, that's just us. She worked at the local market at night and she was trying to save money for a better car that night she had never come home from work the last time anyone saw her was as she was leaving her job and she was going to go see her grandparents for dinner but she never showed up see at that point at that point it's suspicious hmm maybe we just need to know more about this story this is when they called the police this was definitely not like her to just flake on a family member especially her grandparents she possibly didn't call anyone because maybe she was with someone she knew that's the theory at least but she still she'd still call like you still call your grandparents if you're not going to show up somewhere without going too far down that rabbit hole let's look at the blanket so they need to figure out if that blanket first belongs to vicky because if it's also hers then it's another dead end so to speak so they go to the parents and they talk to them and they say like this is not her blanket she does not own a brown blanket so this could be a clue for now, it's a mystery, but we'll keep that in the back of our head. Something is found in the autopsy. This is where they figure out that the tearing or breaking of the nails is consistent with the struggle, and then I mentioned broken back to the quick on a couple of fingers. She probably broke them off trying to defend herself while she was being strangled. This tells detectives that the killer probably still has stretch marks on him or her. This part is so weird, and I don't know why we're putting, putting homegirls business out there like that, but I guess it's important. Her pubic hair was shaved recently with swirling marks, which tell them that it was shaved with an electric razor. How? (laughs) How does it tell them? How does swirling marks tell them what she used to shave? I'm curious about this. If you know the answer to that, please comment and let me know. They also say that it was shaved in a crude way, which indicates that she was not the one who shaved. Another weird assumption, like she could have been in a hurry or or something, but I guess they want to make a note of every little thing, so let's make a note of it. Her time of death was sometime after 9 p.m. on April 2nd, a few days ago. Now they have a tighter timeline. Where was she from 9 p.m. to early morning the next day? (laughs) I had made a side note because I guess Joe Kenda said, I don't like when they have a head start referring to the killer and then i was like well sir why would they tell you first respectfully i can't just let people live their lives apparently vicky was known to be well spoken and she got along with most people a couple of years ago a few friends of hers died in a car accident so after this she went into a dark space and started doing drugs i don't know what kind of drugs they don't talk about it but she was a recovering addict i don't see how this could matter but like i said they're noting everything she was a really good person and did kick off the drugs. She was happy and a very hard worker. So she was clean. That's what they're saying. She had plans for the future. She was working two jobs. So maybe she was just mixed up with the wrong type of people. That happens sometimes. There were rumors swirling of an abduction. One of her friends thinks maybe it was an ex of hers that abducted her. Her old boyfriend, Hyun, comes up. Am pronouncing it right? Pronouncing. Hyun. There you go. (laughs) Just pronounce it the way it's spelled. That's his name, her ex-boyfriend, or her current boyfriend? Ex. People believed, but never confirmed that he would smack her around. He was her boyfriend back when she used to do drugs, but a little bit after rehab. None of her friends liked him, and they had endless, endless bad things to say about him. He became a suspect immediately, but they didn't have any evidence. They bring him into the station, and he has a bad attitude. He hates the police. He wants nothing to do with them. He states that he had nothing to do with her death. He dated her, and he's gotten mad at her, sure, because according to him, she does not do what he wants her to do, so he gets mad. Boy, f*** you. She don't have to do what you gotta do. Anyway, he still says he had nothing to do with it that night he was working all night when she disappeared before i continue let me make a let me make a quick a quick announcement to my fellow fellow people out there i saw a post on tiktok and it was a woman talking about true crime and she said husbands probably wives she was referring to husbands but let's make it more general treat your significant other the way that in such a way that the police would not suspect you if they disappeared. For example, if you're mistreating them, you're not giving them like proper attention, you're neglecting them, you're abusing them, like even even if you don't go as far as abusing them but you're like mean to them and you argue a lot, if that person disappeared, would the cops look at you? Is Does that make sense? Don't look suspicious while they're alive, that way you don't look suspicious if they ever get killed. That's the whole point, so. Take that how you will. To continue, the officers wanted to dig deeper into their pubic hair theory. <laughs> pubic hair theory? Jeez Louise. That someone else had shaved her. They asked Hyun, did she shave her pubic hair? And the one time he seemed to be being honest and like responsive to them, he says, nope, she does not shave it. She doesn't even shave her legs half the time, even though I've asked her to in the past. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't shave my legs either. I don't think it's nothing up any deal. Why? Why? For what? I don't wear shorts. She probably didn't wear shorts. Why do we have to shave our legs? I'm all defending her. I don't like this cat. I don't like Hyun. He said that Vicky was hanging out with friends from her drug-fueled past. Any of them could have killed her. He gives them a list of first names and nicknames. Basically everyone he knows that was ever associated with Vicky. This was weird. I, I didn't know how to type this or make a note of this because it sounded so random in the documentary, so it might sound random now. Apparently some of them... Vicky had owed money to, as small as like $20. They were very specific like Vicky owed some of them $20. Not that big of a deal. But in the drug world, it's everything. They also like according to Hyun, some of these drug dealers like can't remember who owes them money sometimes so they mistake People for other people so that could also be something that happened officers check out his alibi they call his boss and his co-workers and they say he never left the building he was laying tile from 8 p.m. to 4 or 5 a.m. the next day so he would have had to like do it early morning but they're really thinking that she died after 9 and before the sun came up lieutenant Joe Kenda lets him go as a suspect he could not have done this now officers need to go through this list Even if they find them though, are they gonna tell the truth? I mean, there's this huge, like, ah, not dynamic, there's like a, I feel like people in the drug world live their life where they value keeping secrets and not being a snitch. So, like I said, if they even find these people, good luck getting them to talk. Because like, if they talk, they're basically admitting that they sell drugs, you know? So, I don't know. Good luck to the detectives on this one. The way they're going to go about it is they want to build trust. They're basically going to tell them, if you tell us the truth, we're not going to charge you for anything drug related based on what we talk about, which is a good offer. But if you're a drug dealer, you're going to be paranoid. You're not going to trust that. But wow, I'm actually wrong. Lots of friends bring up a man named Dave. He's in his late 20s or early 30s, short hair. He is a black male. He had been threatening her because she owed him $10 and if she didn't pay, he would kill her. This sounds like bull****. <laughs> I'm sorry. It does. $10? Either either Dave is tripping, like really tripping, or Dave's not real and they're just trying to cover somebody else's ass. Cause no, no. So they need to find him, but they're having trouble. Of course you're having trouble. He's not real. I, I watched this documentary like Two months ago i was scheduled to record it a while ago which is why like i'm reading the details from when i originally took the notes but i'm also like i forgot what happened so that's why i'm having these reactions while this was happening officers are calling the number on the paper a woman answers and she says that she saw vicky leaving work with a black male is it dave is it a different person according to her they were old friends the two of them Vicky had told Lisa she was going to a party oh see and I said Lisa never gets brought up again she's getting brought up again Vicky told Lisa she was going to a party she went to a party instead of going to see her grandparents so she she should have called her grandparents that's just like a side note I don't know why she didn't detectives feel like they are getting closer and closer so guys they find Dave at his apartment so Dave is real apparently Similar to Hyun, in which he was angry and did not like the police, I don't think anybody likes the police, to be honest. He tells them that Vicky dropped him off at home before she went to the party. Did they work together, I wonder? Because she worked at the grocery store, the local market, maybe they worked together, she just gave him a ride home, that's plausible. They go to talk to the host of the party, and this woman, she knows Vicky and all of her friends. She said, yep, I did have a party on this night, Vicky was there, did she come with a blackmail? no there were she says there were no black males at the party like was that intentional or is it just a coincidence i don't know but that means that what dave said checks out which is good so we can scratch dave off the suspect list unless they met up later officers asked the host i didn't i didn't catch her name did she leave with anybody yeah she left with this guy norman he's a guy in his 30s and they had dated in the past what time did they leave 10 30 or 11. This is falling in the exact timeline that the detectives established. Okay, so his full name is Norman Wegman And he has an extensive Criminal history all sexual assaults some dismissed some not guilty some he was charged with he did four years in jail before and They contacted two ex-wives and some victims of the cases this dude. Oh He just sounds like trash His ex-wife said that he was crazy when he was on cocaine. He was a totally different person. And he also, he also had a weird fetish. Get this, guys. He wanted to shave her pubic hair, the ex-wife's, but she didn't let him because she didn't like it. Now, all the dots are connecting and everything is coming together. But before they contact Norman, they question his girlfriend. He had a girlfriend, too? Really, bro? I hope she snitches on your ass. They're talking to the girlfriend, and they say, where was he? She confirms that he was at the party. They ask her, were you at this party? Obviously not. Obviously, she was not at this party if he brought another girl home. But I guess they have to ask. She was not at the party, but she said, I went to his apartment the next day and he didn't let me in he said he needed to clean his apartment which is weird because his place is a dump and he doesn't usually care so why all of a sudden now do you care because he's hiding something he's hiding a body from you chick he's a cheater he's a liar he's a douchebag he's a killer he's a rapist how does he have a girlfriend why am i tripping on the fact that this kid has a girlfriend even if he looks like charlie hunnam no Whatever. You, gotta, you gotta do a background check on these dudes like and these girls girls can be crazy too but truthfinder.com is like $20 a month y'all should sponsor me <laughs> okay so when she finally got into the apartment she saw blood on one of his sheets and he had done laundry that morning so it obviously had stained the blood he claimed was from his dog who was in heat it was also weird to her this is so gross it was weird to her that he did his laundry That's how nasty. This dude is crusty and musty and dusty and he still gets bitches like (laughs) I can't I don't know. Is that offensive? Am I gonna get canceled for saying that? Police are now suspecting Vicky was killed somewhere other than the cemetery which we, we already knew that. So was it at his apartment? Lieutenant Kenda is convinced Norman is his guy and he is trying to clean up a crime scene. Yes, 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 yes yes let's keep going down this path the girlfriend said the evening after this after his cleanup day when they went to bed that night he had undressed in everything but his t-shirt and he normally sleeps nude ew dude do you even shower you just sleeping in your ugh. anyway she pulled up his shirt while he was sleeping and she saw scratches in the midsection of his back man i would have like smacked him i would have been like who the hell are you with Cause that's like if you're not the one that scratched your boyfriend's back like somebody did just a few more questions and they're gonna hone in on the weird fetish theory have you seen him shave? yes how does he shave? she says he uses an electric razor at this point they're pretty sure this is the guy i'm pretty sure this is the guy y'all should be pretty sure this is the guy they ask a judge to issue a warrant and they go and search his apartment they start in the bedroom and immediately there is something strange there's a plastic Ziploc bag with what looked like pubic hair. They sprayed Luminol and there definitely was a presence of blood. He also had a waterbed, which was too heavy to move, so they drained the water out to look further. Underneath this, they see a fingernail. They all believe that this was to be Vicky's fingernail. She had her nails painted and the color was consistent with the images of her fingernail, but they couldn't match it to her because she was now six feet under so now you guys are seeing why it's called what it's called and i'm about to get into the part that i don't really like they bring norman in for questioning and he waves his rights right away this tells them that he's probably gonna lie he said i went to the party i met with my friends and i saw vicky they talked they're friendly he admitted he did bring her home vicky said she wanted to go so they could watch a movie we left in her car from the party around 10:30 to 11 which matches what the host said she said she was tired and she had worked two shifts that day so she wanted to go home and she left then he went to bed and that was it officers asked him to raise his shirt he was like why they say i want to see if you have scratch marks he raised his shirt he did a turn and there was nothing there this was weird to me this was very weird to me because how would the girlfriend why would the girlfriend lie how would she know to lie if The police didn't even release that information to the public. Unless he knew and put makeup on, which is my only theory, honestly. The prints at the scene, like I mentioned before, were too smudged to match to anyone, let alone him. Officers needed more before they could arrest him, so they release him from custody for now. They asked forensics to compare the fingernail found at the apartment to Vicky's nails. They're looking at the Optasi photos, lots of pictures of her hands and fingers. But nothing, they're even like zooming in trying to match if the rip marks match. But nothing is allowing them to compare. The only way to be certain are to look at Vicky Ross's hands. But she's been buried for over a week. I want to know why if they knew that she fought with her nails and her nails were broken, why wouldn't they take the DNA off of her? Maybe that was just like a an oversight, but they took notes of the most random things and they couldn't get her nails okay no one's perfect but damn guys yeah so they need to exhume her body so if they're if they're wrong this is gonna be really bad this is gonna be terrible basically they're basically gonna be putting the family through burying her again just i don't know it's messed up i personally if somebody killed me and they had to dig up my body i would be okay with it but it just feels so wrong what do you guys think what do you guys think i know they have to but i just want to get your thoughts they went to get consent from the family and they allowed it because they want to know they think about you know her being violated again but it had to be done that's what her mom said they open up her grave bring the casket up and the coroner removes all 10 fingernails and puts them in each a different container Once he is done, they rebury her. I wonder if they would have had to do another funeral. I would have wanted to. Now they wait for the comparison to be made, and this could take days. While they're waiting, they go back and think about the crime scene. So let's go back to the blanket, the brown blanket. They knew that Norman had a dog. Lieutenant Kenda believes the hair on the blanket was dog hair. After doing some testing, they conclude the hair did not come back to Norman's dog. Hmm. They go talk to Norman's neighbor and find a coincidence. She says the two of them share a storage area. She puts her seasonal items in storage and they ask her, what do you put, like what kind of items? And she says, you know, these apartments are really small. So during the summertime, I leave my electric blanket in there. Vicky's body was found wrapped in an electric blanket. So what color is it? She said it's brown. Starting to sound like it could be the blanket. She says, I still have the remote. So she goes to find the remote, and then that's when she figures out her blanket is missing. You guys, this is the blanket. What about the animal hair? She says she has a cat. They took the hair from the cat with a brush, and Muffin, I love when they say this, they say Muffin is not too pleased about this process. Like, that's adorable. Bella, my white cat, likes being brushed. Coda, my black cat, does not. So I can totally get behind Muffin's mentality back at the lab the serial number from the remote is compared to the blanket same manufacturer same model so this matches so does the hair samples from the cat it's a perfect match this is the blanket and the only other person that had access to it is norman now we're getting to finally we're finally getting enough to get norman The forensic results come back about the fingernails and it is a match. The striations of the tear matches as well as two layers of nail polish from each piece. Now they can place Vicky in Norman's bed on the night she died. Sometime during the night he turned on her, this is the theory, she broke her nails trying to defend herself and he strangled her to death. They must have been having a good time, maybe she said something to set him off, maybe he was on cocaine like the ex-wife said, it's not an excuse I'm just saying. He now has to dispose of her and her car, so he takes his neighbor's blanket. Puts maybe he thought that taking the neighbor's blanket would like confuse them. Just, puts her in the car, drives two and a half blocks to a cemetery, and then he walks home. They arrest Norman and charge him with first degree murder. He is now facing life in prison without the possibility of parole. He pleads guilty and is sentenced to 46 years in prison. <gasps> what? He served only 16 years and became eligible for parole. He could be released in November of 2014. Is he out? There's, and I, when I looked it up, because I wanted to know, I guess there's rumors on Facebook that he died in prison of cancer. What was his name? Yeah, people, people on Facebook are saying he died in prison of um, cancer, but... People on Facebook could just be full of shit. I don't know. I can't find anything that he's out. There's rumors that he died of cancer. There's really nothing else to go off of. So he's either dead or he's done a good job of staying hidden. Because he's definitely, he would have been out by now if he was still alive, I think. Uh, rest in peace to Vicki Lee Ross, born August 13th, 1966 and died April 3rd, 1987. I can't believe he's out. Sorry, I'm just tripping that he's out. Hopefully he doesn't have a, a girlfriend because he's disgusting. Anyway, that's pretty much it for today, guys. Um, I'm not going to do announcements at the end anymore because whenever I listen to podcasts, I never stay past when the story's over. So if you're still listening now, thank you for consuming crime with me today. And you will hear me next week.